Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Point forward. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life, and that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. game. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Evan Turner. Welcome to another episode of Point Four. I'm here with my man, Andre Iguodala. What up? We're reporting to you live, fresh day after game two. Let's get into it. How you doing, Dre? How you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling a lot. You know how it is. You know, you've been through with the the grind of uh, intense playoff series. Uh, you know, I feel like it's a fabricated rivalry. It's almost as if everybody wants to be a rival with us, you know, through yeah. our historic run, it's like we're going right. through them again. We're going to see them. We're going to see them. And it's, you know, we got a very interesting guest this week who epitomizes everything great about basketball from that grind in high school, being a man in mm-hmm. high school, you know, that state high school thing, uh, the college, you know, playing the national championship games and then in the league you know, doing the things that he did, measuring himself up against the greats and how hard it was to even win one title. You know, it wasn't even – It's not. it wasn't even important for him to get to the finals if he didn't win, you know. And, and now we're in a place where it's, we're creating rivalries just off making the playoffs. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> if, you see, real, yeah. if you see a team like us and, us and the Clippers were a real rivalry, you know what I mean? They were supposed to win – a chip. They were supposed to get one. You know, we're starting to fabricate narratives. Yeah. And, you know, I've been saying Draymond's name a lot because he's done an incredible job with his brand and himself being a figure of the media. He's done a great job and he's just speaking the truth. Is come on now, let's govern this thing. Like we're we're fabricating these narratives and we don't have to. And it's built this incredible this feeling of of hatred that is just where does this come from? I mean, I'm in the arena, and you should just feel the vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's taking me back to the 1800s, and you know, you know how I am. And everybody's like, "You're going too far," but I'm in there feeling this energy. I'm like, "Yo, this is more than basketball. Y'all really mad at us, black men? Like, like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, like, where are we going with this? Like, Draymond yeah. did what he did, and he's like, "Man, they are booing a man who's down and out." Like what are we doing? It's like it's like yeah. with Philly when they boo Santa Claus and they boo Michael oh, Irvin when he almost yeah. died on the on the floor. And I was like, and that's just Philly though. Like Philly, you just suspect it. But I'm like, I've been around Memphis for a long time as an opponent. I, I went up against the greatest team in their franchise history. We know with Marcus All yeah. and yes. Zebo. They they should have went to the finals when they lost to OKC yeah. with Zebo. I think Zebo got suspended one of them games or whatever. Yeah, he punched some. Yeah, I think he punched, exactly. Right? So I've seen. A real Memphis team who was had a chance to go to the finals. Not saying this team doesn't, but 
I was in that arena. That energy wasn't like that. So I'm just saying I've been around long enough to right. know, you know, what's this energy really about? Like, come on, man. And that's, and that's what's really bothering me. Um, but you've seen what's happened throughout game one and game two. We've had two ejections. You got a guy with a fractured elbow. That could alter his career. And I'm not saying that. Yeah. You know how it is, Evan, the savvy guys. And this is the difference between, you know, those teams who have had experience in the playoffs and those teams that don't have as much experience. And it's gamesmanship on and off the floor, just how you move as an yeah. individual. You of know, course. the things you say in the media, the things you're saying to your teammates, the adjustments you're making from game to game, quarter to quarter. You know, guys have a huge game. Then guys have a bad game. Then, you know, injuries are a part of it, of course. You know, I'm out, you know. So right. my approach has been a little bit different. Like, I can't yell at a guy like I normally would because I'm not out there with him, you know. Like, that is, there's a mental aspect to that, but I'm still right. there. I'm still there, like, every second of the way. I'm not sitting in the back like I normally would in the regular season. I'm there on the bench every step of the right. way. I'm involved every time out. And I've been seeing a lot of different things that, you know, it gives me confidence in terms of, okay, you know, this guy still moves very immature. Oh, this guy right here actually is stepping up his level of play and he's starting to understand the importance and the value of what it means to play, you know, valuable minutes in the yeah. playoffs. And the gamesmanship of it all is very interesting. I'm not just saying this because we all know Brandon Clark has something to say about Draymond. And of course you go with a certain narrative or you go with a certain tone so that has an effect towards the league to get a guy suspended or something like that. Right, yeah. But that situation with Gary Payton, this guy's been yeah. an NBA journeyman, you know. I hear his name, you know, young guy a lot, but Gary Payton's been through that real grind. Like, he had yeah. he had to really get here. He had to right. really experience a lot. He's been on, like, eight different rosters and just trying to yeah. his journey. And he finally stuck and found his way. He's an NBA player now. He's an NBA player. Yeah. Two months away from contract. A real contract. A con real contract, not right. a not a four year option dates, like not a four yeah. a four period throughout a, a, a annual year cycle option date. You know those guys have four yeah, option. Yeah, no, dates. they're never comfortable until February. They're sitting here until February. I'm like, bro, who told you to sign that stupid ass deal? Exactly, and this man is now a legit NBA player where he's looking at a yeah. multi year deal and. For a guy to do that, and Steve said it. You know, Steve is hurt. He's hurt by like somebody that you know. They're both a, aggressive mentality. They will respect each other. Like yes. Dylan Brooks came from the second round. Came from the same grind. I, I'm a big fan of like the young Grizzlies mentality. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it, we're all business partners, and whether you believe it or not, on this grand scale with the 450 people, it's a brotherhood. Yes, we all want each other to get home safely. We want everybody to win. And call it at that. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. Like, I don't want nobody getting suspended. No, not like we're all together in this. Don't let the narrative or media or people you don't even understand put a battery in y'all back. Like, some of y'all been playing versus each other since y'all were 10 years old. Exactly. It's a beautiful journey of competition. And I and I and I just I just I just hope that you know I think I think GP's in a good position because he, yeah. you know, Mark Jackson. You know, we can talk about Mark Jackson. You know, he his name's been in the. Uh, news lately yeah. with getting a job, and I hope he gets it. But he always said, your body of work is your body of work. Nobody can take that yeah. from you. And I think he's proven, and he has a body of work now to where yeah. I hope it doesn't affect him going forward with his career because, you know, that the time is precious. You know what I'm saying? You know, he, he's at yeah. an age where he's right in his prime, and you want to maximize that, and, and uh, hopefully everyone's able to see that. So 
wishing nothing but the best, praying for him. And, you know, we'll see what happens with the league. And, you know, I go back to that Twitter thing. You know, when there's a lot of Twitter noise, that determines the the penalty that the that NBA comes with. You yeah. can you can, you know, the data that's being collected everywhere. It's funny, we just been talking about Elon Musk and, and buying Twitter. Twitter is a, a, a very valuable tool in terms yeah. of what your fine or your suspension gonna look like. How crazy is that? That's the world crazy. we in now. Yeah, some random person that just started liking basketball two weeks ago could be like, hey, that was that was crazy. That, like, and you know, emotions and what you don't know. Yep. Like what Steve Kerr said. He broke the code. He broke the code. There's certain stuff that occurs where I think Twitter, like you said, the narrative hyped all this stuff up because, granted, it started with the Draymond Green hard foul. Right. But at the same time, when it, when that occurred with the Draymond Green hard foul, of course, he hit Brandon Clark in the face. The swipe down wasn't the best. But there's a point where you saw him try to hold him up. Right. That's it. Right. I understand. Like, as adults – as pros, as, as professionals, you got to block out all that nonsense and be like, be strong enough to listen to Draymond. Right, right. Not listen to nobody <laughs> That's else. That's a bar. Listen, That's a bar. Be strong like, be enough. Str- be strong enough to listen to Draymond and comfortable enough to listen to Draymond. And at the same time, it's not a Draymond where he's taught when he's waving his sack at like a Paul Pierce type situation. He right. was more so laughing like, what situation can this be or how can it be taken out of narrative? And is this really a flagrant? Is it that serious? And then when it comes down to it, like, no disrespect to the Grizzlies, y'all are grown-ass men. <laughs> y'all don't think nothing of those little-ass like little ass kids. Like, even the money-wise, in a sense, like, the difference is it's all laughable. And that's no disrespect. Those Grizzly players are going to get to where they need to go. But it's right. like, you got these people putting a battery in your back to, to try to go mess with the OGs on the block. That's not no easy way. I like the I like the competition, but you walking by telling Steph Curry it's gonna be fun. <laughs> like I hate the Warriors, but y'all are so polished and you can play so many different ways at so many different levels. It's like watch what you say, right? And that's like, like you know what I'm saying. Like, it's gonna yeah, I'm I'm, I'm it's, it's gonna be interesting, you know, just how. I, I, I know I know too much. You know how I get sometimes yeah, when yeah. I say I know too much and I have to take a step back from what's really going on in my mind. Yeah. But it's entertainment too. And sometimes we get so emotional about the game because we love the game that we forget the entertainment or business side of it yeah. and that they're trying to maximize and they have a – fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders, although it's a private company. So all narratives are good narratives. And that's the part of the game that Drew Holiday just had that conversation with us that make us want to leave the game. Right. And that's what bothers me the most. Speaking of our environment and how we move around, uh, NFL draft just – completed i don't know even know how long it goes anymore it's like a seven day affair with with the rounds uh, i lose track after day three Me but too. uh brings a ton of memories and you know the group chat had a lot of fun with the entourage we've been having conversations on the entourage in the last pod as well so walk me through uh what's what's been our typical green room table Outlook, you know, the Last Supper. It's almost like the Last Supper. Like, all right, this is the group. <laughs> what? Who? Who's? Who's the different individuals that are there? 
I mean, I had my mom. Of course. Always moms. My two brothers. You always got a brother. You do always see a brother. Yeah, yeah. So I had my two brothers at 4036, Sir Matt Crew. Mm-hmm. I had my agent. Right. My agent's always there. But that's aggressive, too, because it's like, why are you really there? True story. I when agree. When you break with that. it down, like, and that's no disrespect to the agents, but it's like, and taking that's a seat. A bit, somebody, somebody that's could. taking a seat, bro. And it's like, we don't even have a handshake together, my G. True like, story. You know, <laughs> you Check know me saying? out. The agent being at the table is marketing. That's all it yeah. is. That's all it is. Bro, the draft's not even that fun. Like, when I showed up, <laughs> G, I'm like, bro, there's no way I was hopping on buses and shit. This got to be at the Bellagio. This Man, you was be... there for like seven, eight hours. Bro, not only that, I was like, bro, these tables got to be marble. Y'all went and got the card tables and, th- and went to Party City and threw a little whatcha card on there and yeah. printed out a color printer, this Avatar NBA logo. I'm like, bro, I risked my life to be here. I'm, you get the I'm ball with your be, name on it? Yeah, and the ball with my name. I'm like, bro, this $40 ass, get up. <laughs> I'm like, this... My suit. I'm saying, like, you know what I'm saying? But did you bring a date to the draft? My wife was at the draft, but she wasn't at the table. All right, shout out to Christina. You're a real one for taking that back seat. Or Mama Iguodala wasn't having it. it was like, <laughs> I, like I can neither confirm nor deny. Well, this is uh, but they love well, Mother's other. Day is right. Mother's Day is coming up, but I want to apologize to my mother because. Uh, <laughs> I brought a date to the draft, but I feel like I brought a date to the draft. I didn't like, we were going through so much stuff where I feel like I rebelled. Cause it's like, bro, okay, eventually, my G, like, let it, let me make a decision. You True. know what I'm saying? I had a, when, I had a situation where I, I almost didn't go to the draft, where I was yeah. like, I don't want to go to the draft because the whole family's about to be torn apart because of who's this. sitting at the table at the draft. Yeah. Kind of came to that point where we're kind of going back and forth, but like we're putting everything on there, and like I wasn't like me and my mom. I love her to death, and you know I'm a I was grew up a mama's boy, so I can understand where she in certain areas she was overbearing because when shit hits the fan, I'll also be like mom, like, right, you know? right, right. So I can't, right, I can't get mad at that, but like I was getting to a point where I'm like, bro, let me just make a decision and bring somebody, you know. Right. right. When I look back on that now, it's like fellas, don't bring nobody to the draft, bro. Mm. whatsoever because mm. i don't think it's something about that big screen that when you show up i don't think you know how to take it the world know how to take it but then the girl knows how to take it do you understand what i'm saying i feel like oh i know I what you're saying yeah when you walk through there you feel like it's, it, you can't leave out of there it's like bro only one of us is going through this door now i'm not tied to you for life this ain't marriage now what draft what draft were you 2010 I was, yeah, at the illustrious uh, Madison Square Garden. I think that you, was the last year. Yeah, yeah, you were the 2010 draft. So yeah. somebody go back to Andre. Y'all find everything. It's, just, it's embedded. I've never deleted a tweet. 2010, and it was in June, right? Yeah, June 24th. And the June draft 24th. starts around 7 Eastern time, 7.30. And you know E.T. was out of there about 7.36, maybe. So 6.30, so 7.30, no, he was probably 7.38, 7.39. Let's say 7.47. 7.47. Okay, yeah, 7.47. Go find Andre Iguodala tweet. <laughs> yeah, you was bogus. I said, that ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I 
remember my old head Scooney. He was like, man, why'd you bring a date to the draft? You know me, fake. Man, I love her. I love her. That, you know, that goofy, that goofy stuff. You don't even know yourself. But he's like, man, when you break it down, you say, E.T., I love you to death. But that that is going to be there forever. So he was For like, man. Forever. He was like, I know you say mom deuce is tripping, but that's going to be there forever. And, you know, to a certain extent, I never really – only reason why I say like I wish I could have those days back was because I could have put somebody else at the table mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. meant a lot to me. Not right. in any disrespect. In any no, 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 no. I for don't sure. regret that. But it's like, no, nah, when you grow up and stuff, you grow apart. I was a 21-year-old kid not seeing a bigger picture, not even knowing I was about to get ready to get corrupted. Like, shoot. Right. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you, right. you understand what I'm saying? Like, right. I was walking, about to get jaded. Shoot. So that <laughs> that's it. But what, what, what do you think at the table? Like, obviously, you had your, you didn't have, you know, your wife at the table, but. I had two black men at the table. And, and see, now, amongst our culture, that's a big thing, right? Yeah, my stepfather yeah. and my father. My father was daishikied out in our, in our, you know, our traditional Nigerian well, I garments. Go I thought he was clean. Or I'm like, I never seen him dressed like that. Yeah. So when he pulled up, you get, the, you got, you know, you got the morning uh, breakfast, right? Yeah. Man, he pulled up. I've never been so proud in my life. Like, I'm like, I'm 19 years old. I'm, I'm yeah. 20. I'm 20. And I'm thinking to myself, man, Pops really did it. Like, I yeah. was I was feeling it. You know, normally, um, uh, us black kids from America, when we see things like that, it looks so foreign to us, so we don't yeah. know how to react. I was truly proud of, like, yeah. my heritage. I was just thinking yeah. to myself, like, okay, Pops really cleaned up. All right, E.T., speaking of the draft, we got a situation down in Baton Rouge. LSU doesn't have a basketball team at the moment. As you know, their coach uh, was ahead of his time with the NIL deal. (laughs) (laughs) So before it was put into place. um, Entrepreneur. He was, yeah, he was was feeding them kids uh, and not with food and got hit with some sanctions and was found guilty of everything, and uh, he got fired. <laughs> uh, fortunately, yeah. fortunately, he only got fired as opposed to uh, a few of my guys who did time, African-American. Those are the ones that did the time throughout the whole FBI, NCAA scandal. But the coach got fired, and they had every player either enter the draft or enter the transfer portal. So currently they have no basketball players that are committed to the team. So – Without going further into that, yeah, let's build a, a basketball team. And how are we building a team with the way the game has changed? I mean, when you break down right now, what they said, two MV, MVP candidates for centers, right? Yeah, yep. And they touch the post here and there, but they're mostly on the perimeter. And Rudy Gobert gets defensive player of the year all the time. And he's about yeah. to report say it's either him or or the other all-star guard on the team. So when you got a guy that's making those type of demands, they they must be considered or they must view themselves as a superstar. So that's another thing. Yeah, I don't big. get that. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't get that. So I'm just throwing that big man thing out there. That's all. Nah, Rudy can't say that. But we're talking about Gobert. My defensive player of the year can't keep getting fucked up on the island. Like, I've never seen so many people so hyped to see this man on the island. And I've never seen somebody get done in so crazy. It's wild. So 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 he's not gonna be on the team you built. 
So that can't be no. added. So to say that with saying having like big centers, I think every situation I would go through, not saying I love it, but just watching a Boston versus Nets series, I feel like I would want my starting lineup to at least be six three and bigger. Like so, I want a big guard. I definitely need like a six nine wing. Mm-hmm. Ideally six seven wing, but you're getting to the point where the more skilled, the more you know, the more taller. The better. Uh, you got Joel Embiid, who's 7'3", 250, 260 pounds, not touching the paint, doing all Kobe work. I think we, we're forgetting something, though. Tell me. IQ is uh, sorely lacking trait in the NBA right now. Yeah. And, and I, I was taking some notes, and I was reading a few things, and I heard an interesting thing from a fan last night. Otto Porter shot a two. And a fan yells right as it's in the air, ha, 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 he shot a two-pointer. That doesn't even matter anymore. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that was a great shot. Yeah. It, it wide open, shot clock was going down, got his feet set. He always makes that shot. He's been shooting it all year. So if you've been watching this play, you know Otto's, you know, when yeah. he's open, he makes a shot, especially mid-range. And the fan went crazy. And I'm thinking, wow, this is where the game is going. I mean, it's all threes, bro. So I just feel like. Nobody's really touching the paint clearly. Eventually, you bring up Rudy Gobert. <laughs> if you bring, I'm just saying, if you bring him on a perimeter, that's not advantageous to your defense anymore. Like, you understand what I'm saying? So, my five man is damn near going to be a four that can hoop. Right. Right. You know I mean, I'm going to have all skilled players. We talk about IQ, it's so few and far between, but as long as you can pass just a taste on the back door. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we but that's the problem that's what we accept right fine now I'm with that like, like but i'm just saying that's what i appreciate like if you could do a dribble handoff and every now and then dribble handoff and back door and like i'll take that but i think every position to a certain extent it can't be a rudy gobert type big everybody has to be od skill true story because you got a baby jared sellinger in boston right now who is perfect for that role you got grant williams who's just yeah. To make a backdoor pass, he can do a handoff, yeah. and he's been shooting at a high clip, and, and he'll yeah. guard a big, and he just plays his role. And we laughing now, but we having a battle of six two centers. We you know we had GP versus uh, yeah. Bruce Brown from Brooklyn, right. <laughs> and they're getting thirty something minutes a night, bro. Correct. What's your point guard look like? Because we're point fours. So what? My point guard, my point guard would look like I you. got the Boston Nets. Yeah, I would get a big guard. I would, eat, yeah. or like I said, I got the Boston Celtics on my mind. I don't love his shooting all the time, but he's gotten better. I'm not mad at a Marcus Smart. I need a 6'4", just mm-hmm. big, burly guard. I, I, I like Marcus Smart. Yeah. Who would you get? Because I'm just, I need, I'm just I, basing off of like when we when you watch the Nets versus Celtics, when they're up four, the Nets were up four in game one. Probably 40 seconds left. Jalen Brown and all those dudes came and scored so quickly because physically – Yes. You had Kyrie on the court. You had Seth, Seth Curry on the court. You yeah, had uh, Bruce Brown. Dra- yeah, Dragic, Dragic on the court. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Brown. It was like legitimately, physically, there's nothing they could do to stop them from right. keeping a four-point lead. They were getting right. to the rim. It's either a foul or not. So, like, right. I never want to be at that odds where I have to – I'm not a big fan of having a three-point shooter out there. And he's a, he's just a big liability in real moments. True. True. No, I'm rolling, I'm rolling with that. I, I like I like taller guards. Yeah, uh, big guard. So my point guard, I want my point guard to be uh, a savvy point guard at six five, six six. 
who's out there at all? Like who who you got out there like that? I, oh, Luca. My point guard finna be Luca. <laughs> but I want my point guard to be not pass first, but looking Ooh. to be a distributor. So like, so think of Marcus Smart at six five, six six. But Drew, yeah. Drew's like that. Okay, we'll take Drew Hotty. Because Drew, Drew, Drew gets gets up his attempts, and the more I watch Drew, I'm. I know Drew, Drew well. I know Drew well. And I say to myself, I said, Drew shot 20 times? It didn't even seem like it. I want a guy like that who can shoot 20 times and you don't know he shot 20 times. Yeah. Well, you know what Drew does? Drew gives into uh, his IQ. It's mm-hmm. one of the last IQ dudes. It's like what he told me in New Orleans. He says, with Rondo and, and you know, when he had Anthony Davis and Marcus Cousins, he's like, I only have two stints to shoot in the game. That's when they check out at the end of the first quarter. Right. Beginning of the second quarter. And then sometime in the third, then how the fourth hits, it'll hit. It'll hit, When yep. he told me, I'm like, damn, he really attacks in this six-minute mark. Yep. He gets as much, as much as possible. And then when it starts, like, the other people come back in, he plays in the flow of the game. True story. I True agree story. with oh, that. But- well, I'm, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Lonzo Ball is my point guard. Okay, I like Lonzo. I'm not mad and, at that. And Lonzo, Lonzo shoots it at a high clip. Yeah, 40%. Lonzo... Lonzo's a championship guard. Lonzo will have his wings looking like MVP candidates. Yes, yes, Think about yes. the year the Bulls had. He's Rondo low-key. Rondo low-key, but taller. He may not as, as be as savvy because Rondo could just pick it apart. Rondo is just another level with his brain. But the way he shoots it, he makes up for whatever's lacking in Rondo being an elite thinker. It's elite thinker knowing your weaknesses and knowing when to take a step back. True. Because when you break right. it down, Lonzo's M.O. has always been, what do we have to do to win? His dad even said it when he first came in. Yeah. was like, you don't have to worry about Lonzo shooting it like that. Mm-hmm. You got to worry about Lonzo playing. At the time, they were talking about getting LeBron and Paul George. You got to worry about Lonzo getting off the board, throwing a lob to LeBron James. Yeah. Then getting off the board, kicking it up to you know PG or whoever those wings were. Then doing yeah. this and the other. Then yeah. before you know it, Lonzo then got a dunk and a three-point shot. Lonzo know when he's supposed to work in and when he's when he's not supposed to work in. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you you have somebody that doesn't sacrifice defensively. He's an elite defender. Yep. He'll pick you up and full then, court. And then, bro, you know how many 15 assist games this man has yeah. already, bro? Yeah. It's a joke. You're absolutely yeah. right. You will have your wings looking like – I'm not going to lie. I, if it's not smart there, I like Lonzo in Boston. Mm. Mm. So, so when you break it down, give mm. me – Give me Lonzo. <laughs> Give me Brown. Give me Tatum. Yo, I like hey that Robert Williams kid. Oh, bro, Robert Williams my. is unbelievable. So, so when you break it down, give me that Boston roster, bro. <laughs> no offense, shit. <laughs> All right, ET. We had our guns and butter segment. Fiduciary responsibility <laughs> to our listeners to give them kind of some insight on the economics, the world of uh, not just basketball but business in general, and. You know, we're in a Web3 space, which is this uh, new way to transact, new way to interact with the, uh, the consumer. And we're going to talk about something that's been on our minds for a while. When we were kids, uh, I can remember one of the one, one of those luxury products, and it was only, what, $14 maybe? NBA I'll socks. Save a lot. No, just <laughs> Keep going. You know how to do. NBA socks. Yeah, NBA socks, and be, when you had that logo on your socks, you were you were. It's kind of like, all right, you got you got the right thing on. You know, a certain way you're supposed to look. And mm-hmm. throughout my time in the league, we had those conversations. We would talk about the logo a lot. You know, I saw a guy miss a free throw, and he hit 
the logo, we'd be like, Duck, Jerry, you know, you know, yeah. you had that. And, you know, at the same time, you knew your uh, jersey wasn't, uh, was official if it had the logo on it. It was officially yeah, licensed. So on and on and on. So as we get older, we just having those conversations. And, you know, I'm joining the Warriors. We go into China for preseason and, you know, I'm sitting next to the logo. So obviously I'm asking these questions. And then I become really good friends with his son, Johnny West. Shout out to Johnny and Michelle, yeah. Michelle Wee. In terms of, hey, fam, how much I make off that? Right, right, right. What do you mean? Come on, man. Like, don't play me, man. Like, let's keep it a buck. You know, like, we talking about, you know, your likeness being used. We talk about ownership a lot on our show. And come to find out, you know, it was said over the time that it wasn't Jerry. Jerry never admitted it was him. But as of recently, and it's interesting now, you know, you got one of the top shows, uh, most watched shows and or the talked about shows as well yeah, uh, in terms of content uh, with Winning Time, the HBO show. And, you know, HBO has said it's based upon true events, but it's uh, the fictionalized characters. And, you know, uh, as humans, we aren't as smart. Or the population is as smart. So nobody can discern that. And they think these are these, these who these individuals are. But... Being a logo, supposedly, and then now has come out, the guy who designed it, uh, he was doing some things with the MLB, and NBA had a, you know, they had the, the drug problem, and they wanted to clean up the image a little bit, so they wanted a new logo, and told this guy who designed, or who had some design influence with the MLB, designed one for us in basketball, and it's funny that I'm saying that now, because the guy actually was saying we wanted to build a prototypical NBA that's what we wanted the logo to look like. And you saw the picture of Jerry West. And, you know, it's interesting that there were image problems with the NBA in terms of drugs, African-Americans, yeah. so on and so forth. And, you know, he depicted a white guy. Now, I do approve of it because Jerry was actually good. You know, you yeah, know me. Yeah. You know me. There's, there's that thing in the NBA. If you see a white guy, it's a bucket. And yeah. But we have our handful of white guys who we feel are legit. The Jerry yeah, was a hero. He just won six man of the year. Like, yeah, he yeah. got he got it right, but he yeah. he he wanted to be us. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry West is finally admitted he's the logo. Uh, I think David Stern, R.I.P. Before he passed, kind of admitted it was it's Jerry yeah. West. And you know, I know you saw the article in terms of uh, them saying, "Well, we can't officially say it's Jerry West," and they still don't officially say it's Jerry West because there's a likeness and image side to it, and you there's royalties. Yeah. That is our breakdown. What would those royalties look like? But yeah. having a conversation with Steph Curry, this is why I'm asking you. Right. And Steph, Steph saying his number is 500, and you saying where the rest of? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. What would be your logo? What would it look like if it was you? It would be your you going into your cross because you had a crazy left to right. Yeah, oh, or was it a right to left? It was a right to left. You had a crazy right to left. I think you hit Brian with something crazy in uh, yeah. Portland. I think. Oh, yeah. And some, now you know me and Brian. Shout out to Brian. Shout shout out to you know the, the second goat. But <laughs> no, nah, <well>, my logo. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Shout out to Brian. But I, Brian used to have them ankles so crazy. <laughs> I don't know what. As as tough as my career had been, I will say this. I got a couple highlights, and thank God to Brian. He probably allowed me to do it. Where I could show my kids and be like, "Baby, look how I did him." <laughs> You talking about a dude on t shirt you wear, baby? Look how I did him, right? Now, it might only be three of them, but <laughs> they elite. shout out to Brock. Yeah, elite. But I wonder what my logo would be. Um, yeah, probably me carrying. You know, people say I be carrying. I probably yeah. do something like, uh, 
like one of them joints or man, I can't. It would be you dribbling though. Like you got a nice silhouette of you dribbling. Yeah, probably in and out, something yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, something something act- like the N one logo, one of them joints. True you story. know what I mean? True what about story. you? What would your joint be? Would it be the block? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That would be a good one, though. No, they don't care about defense. So it's crazy yeah. that they don't care about defense, but they glorify it. Whatever. It's dope, But though. you got you, you have a recognizable shot, though. It's true. It's probably because your hands so big and your feet so big, G. I feel like your shot, like your, your silhouette is noticeable. It is. It is. I have a unique shot. I wish somebody would talk. It'd be Maybe decent. a dunk. How about oh, a the dunk? Brand- Maybe- yeah. The, the Brian Cardinal silhouette. How about that? Oh, yeah. That was on his head. Or uh, over Yao was a good one. That was a crazy one. Yeah. But yeah, but what <laughs> I'm saying is like, would you, what would you be looking for for that that legendary silhouette? Me that's, personally. That's what I want to ask you because you, you your mind works way better than mine in that term. I don't know how. I would, I'm so technical. I think our, our listeners will have a, more, a greater respect for how you would interpret it, how you would negotiate those funds i'm gonna be completely honest with you i would start off just like one percent of all of it mm-hmm. but i probably bail out to point point four percent of like all revenue point five for the rest of life and then like what and then like <laughs> you understand like that's just the truth like I'll give me a st like louis that. spirits deal st louis spirits yeah give me one of them joints or just give me a billy you tell me to go away I, i'll back up that's a that's a good deal. But uh, this is like I'm just only asking this because when you a- see how much we bring in each year, the NBA, it's nothing. It's like eight billion a year. Uh, All right. That's and then give me no no no. But you so eight billion a year. Throw me a piece of the uh, luxury tax every year for the rest of my life. The rest of my life, absolutely. And then and then they're one generation after me. That's it. That works for me too. Yeah, so hundred year they do hundred hundred year land deals on most commercial real estate deals. Just give me a commercial real estate deal. Yeah, I'll do a hundred year for point five, and then after that we'll just do a tenth of a tenth for the rest of life. Yeah, so like yeah, that'll probably still come out to like a little funky thirty or forty. But I think at that point, and this is where it gets tricky because the NBA they they smart. Uh, I want NBA China too. I want a little <laughs> piece of NBA. So wherever my logo at, because the NBA, I mean NBA China bringing in three hundred million a year, probably something like that. It's true. But we forgetting one caveat, I would say. NBA Tell is very me. smart. Them boys, them boys not do business. Now, they might swap your logo out. So the, I'd say that because I'm having, you know, Jerry, I'm reading about Jerry West saying that Kobe Bryant should be the yeah. new logo. But with that, they can't because then they'll really have that royalties yeah. situation where they actually yeah. have to. And Vanessa Bryant ain't playing. But Vanessa ain't playing. You see what she did to <laughs> Nike? Yeah, she held him. She she held him by the cojones. Yeah, smart businesswoman. And, and uh, shout out to the the latest release. It was a beautiful release. The Gigi uh, Mamba shoe uh, was just incredible. Kaminga has someone. I'm like, and I'm looking at him. You know, normally when you get in the league, you look at shoes. But as I get older, I'm like, I don't see none of that. But I'm like, man, that's 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 a powerful moment right here. So yeah. thought that was beautiful. But yeah, you have that royalty issue, and you have to actually admit to someone, and you have to go through all that. I'm saying all that to say. They might only use your logo for 20, 25 years, and then they're going to swap you out. I think the whole thing, we joke about money and everything, and I think, you know, Jerry took it the right way. It's, yes. It's, it's a privilege. That's it. Yep. That's it. It's a big-ass privilege. It's, it's, it's an unbelievable privilege, especially where you consider playing a game of basketball, and you're forever. It don't even matter if you're a fan or you're the logo. Right. 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 So. He's on I everything. Mean, on everything, right? And, you know, legacy-wise, it's like you were you're illuminated to say the least.
point. Forward. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey there, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast. And yes, we are in the thick of the college hoop season. Our pod runs at least three times a week and covers everything you need to know. From the power conference team to the mid-majors, the scoops, the stories, game predictions, previews, huge recaps, everything. We cover it all. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball Podcast wherever you get your pods. What's up, everybody? Appreciate y'all for tapping back in for another episode of Point Four Podcast. Myself, Andre Iguodala, and my main man, Evan Turner. What's up? What's up? Today's guest has seen basketball from every level, from high school days to college days to the professional days to post-career front office, and he's been a real pioneer of the game off the court as well, setting the landscape for things like our union, had a brilliant book he wrote himself, West by West. We know him as the logo, Mr. Jay West. Jay, it's good to see you here. Thank you so much for joining us. This is something special to us and uh, just happy to be talking to you. Well, thank you, Andre. I certainly enjoyed my time with you and uh, not only what a terrific player you've been, but more importantly, what you're kind of, you've been kind of a pioneer yourself and the way you conducted yourself and your contribution to a team. A lot of people look at players and they overlook the fact that players who are well-rounded are always going to be the ones who contribute to really great teams. And I have seen most of it in my life. And it's pretty interesting to go from really kind of the bottom to see it at its pinnacle now. And the future growth of this is going to be enormous for the players. And I think for the fans also. Now I'll start with, you know, right now, and we'll get back into your playing days, but Evan and I, throughout our first couple episodes, have been talking about gatekeeping, you know, and when we say gatekeeping, being a guardrails, making sure the game doesn't veer too far away from the true essence of it. And, you know, with you being, you know, uh, the logo and you having so much success, you know, being a president of operations or being a GM, what state of the game uh, do you see where us being in right now? And if it's good, you know, where can we continue to go? Can, where can we continue to go? And if things you don't like, you know, how can we keep from straying off in that direction? Well, Andre, obviously the game is like all games. It's it's for entertainment value. Mm-hmm. But I've seen the game evolved a lot. Obviously the rules have changed. The uh, 
The three-point line has been the most evolutionary thing I've ever seen uh, that has happened to the game. And coaches now have to be a lot more dynamic in their approach to coaching players today than in the past. But I think the game is in good hands. Uh-huh. I, I would like to see I would like to see a lot of things change. More importantly, I think there's some decisions that need to be made along the way, and I think it encompasses both the players and the league office. And look at the points of the game that, Andre, you've been around a long time, and there's things that mm-hmm. I know you don't like about the game. Uh-huh. And uh, it is the most beautiful game to be played if you play the right way. And I can tell you during my career, I hated the way we played. It was either Baylor and West had to score 75 or 80 points a night. And thinking back, if I were a teammate, I wouldn't like that. But again, then the emphasis on the coach is take your best players and see if they can beat the other people. Well, that'll get you a certain way. But when you're playing against teams over seven games, the people who are really good are still going to have a great impact on the game. But it just makes it so much easier when you do have a system. That system should embody everyone to participate, not just a couple of guys. Uh, The other thing I see is the, uh, oh, my gosh, the uh, rules have gotten a lot more loose. Uh, There's so much walking in the game game today, and there's so much carrying the ball. Uh, You know, you'll get a guy in the post, and he'll take the ball, and he'll delay it. Andre, that's carrying the ball. Yes, sir. And playing the last half of a, a great game, how many times do they go over there and review something that, to me, that's important, but right. it shouldn't be every darn play in a game. I would like to see that change, but I would really like to see the game cleaned up from carrying the ball, from looking at the star players who – they're great fakers also, Andre. I mean, a lot of these guys have to go to the movie theater. And, uh, <laughs> I like that. Well, they are. I mean, you can look at the same ones, and, and I'm not going to point these players out. You can look at the same ones in, in the league. And if I were an official before the game, at one time you could not hook anyone, okay? Mm-hmm. Now you got players reaching under someone's arm and flopping around. The officials have to understand that this is part of the game. Right. But right. you you just got to have to enable, stop enabling some of these great players. Got you. And, and I, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. And I, I want to take it a little further back. At the times you start evaluating players, because I want to know, you know, how we should go about evaluating and developing talent. You know, you've seeing talent at a very young age. Now we're having, you're, we're having to identify a great talent for our game and who's going to take the torch next. When was the first time for you you thought, you know, I have a gift for evaluating talent and putting great teams together? You know, what was that process like? You know, what were you thinking? Uh, how did you prep yourself to, you know, fill out holes that you thought the team may have? Or how do you define which player should we star as the team. You know, how did you know that uh, Magic needed the ball in his hands and Norm Nixon needed to be off the ball? And then moving forward, you got championship teams. You got luck. You got a chance to draft the James Worthy at the number one pick, even though you just won a championship. Then bringing in Byron Scott as a role player on the wing. And then when his time's up and just continuing to build throughout that time. Years ago, a, a guy told me, uh, I used to love the outdoors and I used to love to go fishing. and. He was always talking about places he'd go fish on the river. And, of course, 
eat catfish or something, but I was always so patient in fishing. Okay. I'd be there all day to catch something. It's almost like I heard this old saying one thing, what's important is invisible to the eye. And I believe that is so true when you're evaluating players. I really do. It's like faith. It's faith. Yep. And, uh, when you're looking at players today, we have, you know, all these young kids are coming out. Every one of them is being projected where they're going to go in the draft, how great they're going to be. I will tell you, the agents today, they promote these players so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, they'll show you highlight films of them. And at one time, you could watch these kids play against each other. That does not happen today. Right. And so everyone is trying to protect their own asset. And they're trying to dictate where they go in the draft. So these young kids, some of them are super talented. Some of them, Andre, are not very good. They get to a certain level, and all of a sudden, they've dominated play from the time they're 10 years old to they're 16 or 17 years old. Mm -hmm. And they go to college for one year, and they have a really good year. But all of a sudden, they run into a wall where they get up against somebody that's a good or better than them. And sometimes they go the other way. They don't, right. they lose confidence. And that's where I think your front offices, uh, people who are working with these kids, try to build confidence in them, look at them and be very honest with them. You don't have to go crazy with them. Tell them what they need to improve. Tell them, watch this player. Watch this player. Watch how simple the game is. As I mentioned today, we have so many people that dribble the ball. All the big guys, my gosh. I guarantee you, if those guys would concentrate on playing at a certain position, that that mm-hmm. dribbling, that dribbling, and the ability to create with off the ball would yes. be much more liable. I mean, much more reliable for them to be become stars. But I don't think it's honestly. I've never felt identifying players is that hard because everyone's going to make a mistake. I think what you have to do, you talk to your scouts and everyone's got tons of scouts. I have three people working with me, myself, uh, the uh, late Gene Tremolin and Ronnie Lester, who played in the league, both of them played in the league. And I would never let them go see a game together. I said, I don't want to read the same report because you guys are friends. And -hmm. then we would have two or three times a year, we would get together. But you remember there, there weren't as many young kids coming out today. There weren't. I'm guessing they get, pressure because everyone tells them they're good enough. But if they get in the wrong situation, Andre, some of them, don't, they, don't, they don't really do very well. And it tra- it's tragic to me that these young kids that don't do very well and are out of the league, right. that they have no means unless they can go back to college and learn to grow up in the real world. And yes. to me, I look at you, I look at other players I know, uh, you're prepared to, to have a career once you're off of the court. And mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing for kids today who play a long time and take the, the experience they've had and carry it over into the real world. The basketball world is not the real world. It's not. And Correct. the incredible amount of money players uh, make today, Andre, a lot of the older players are very jealous. I'm thrilled for them. I am absolutely mm-hmm. thrilled for them, but I want them to take care of that money to, so when they get out, they can have two or three years to find out what they really want to do with their life and then make another commitment as you have to do to be a long-time NBA player. Guys have so much money that it doesn't allow them to really see the real world. 
therefore there isn't an emphasis on them for finding something to do outside the game. And I feel like when, you know, with our generations that were before me and then while still while I was playing in my prime, you still had to look forward to something to occupy your brain. And I think the money has jaded us a little bit in terms of finding a real passion, finding real purpose with what we're doing. And I think you explained that so well in your book in terms of, you know, you had to take, you picked up golf. You wish you would have picked it up early. You know, you picked up fishing, you know, and but then you had this amazing talent of being able to identify how a great team works because you were successful at it. So with all that being said, what makes a great team? Because you had to figure out great talent, but you also had to figure out how to build around great talent. And I think that's what's missing from the game. Everybody's trying to find great talent. And I think we're missing because we're, we're throwing these long shots. And if the guy doesn't hit, then we're all screwed because we weren't, weren't able to build properly around that or properly assess a great talent. So kind of, you know, tell me what you're thinking when you're trying to build a great team. When I was a little kid growing up in West Virginia, you know, not little, when I'm saying eight to 11 years old, you know, it got cold, snowy. You didn't go out a lot. And I used to like to work puzzles, okay? And harder the better. And let's say a big puzzle, you're missing a few pieces and you're getting mm -hmm. close to the end. You say, oh my gosh, this is not a puzzle. It's not, it's not complete. And to me, it kind of reminds me of a basketball team. Um, the one thing you really do need, you do need a couple of really great players, okay? And those players have to buy into what a coach wants to do. And, uh, and more importantly, how you surround them with people that are going to compliment them. This, to me, is a key to doing it all. Everyone wants to add, you know, another great player to where you might have two players. You have to look at your team. What are we missing? And mm -hmm. today, everyone talks, well, we need to be big. Andre, the game and change. You don't have to be big anymore because of three-point line and how clever these kids are today. But you do need some size. But that size today is just more emphasized. He's got to be well-rounded. He's got to be able to move his feet. He can't just be some standing target because the quickness of the game, and particularly for some teams, is not going to allow him to be efficient during the most important part of the game. But I do feel like, you know, I, I can go back to my few years with the Warriors, and I remember one draft distinctly. Leading up to this draft, there was a uh, Steph and Monte Ellis playing together. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. both of them, tremendous scores, tremendous scores. Both of them were very popular, but Monte was probably more popular than Steph. Yes. And Monte was a good – he was a good guy. Nothing wrong with him. and. I think there was a decision made there to let Monte go, but the key to it was getting someone that would greatly compliment Steph Curry. And who did they select? They selected Clay Thompson. Mm -hmm. Perfect for him. Another trade that was made in there they, uh, with, that brought in was uh, B. Adrians. They, they drafted him. That wasn't going to work. So they made a trade with Milwaukee, okay? For um, oh Bogut. Bogut, Andrew Bogut. That changed that team completely. More than people know. Yeah. Well, my, many people look at it and say it very much because Andre had been, I mean, uh, Bogut had been hurt so much. He had a horrible injury. Yeah, in but, Milwaukee. Yeah, horrible. And uh, he couldn't stay healthy, but he came there 
He was a basketball player. He could pass yes. the ball. He could set yes. screen. He could block a shot and he could rebound. And you put him in there who was selfless. You allowed Steph to become Steph and Clay took a year. And all of a sudden you got a backcourt that I wouldn't trade for anyone because of the size plays ability to defend. And he was so hardworking to get to the point where he was. He wasn't a, a complete player then, but he had right. every intangible that you'd want. And then, Andre, you came into, uh, in, over there. Your presence changed it, okay? Your presence changed. And then, of course, Draymond. They had five players there that were – they were hoopers, okay? They were really yeah. hoopers. Yeah. Yes, and, sir. I like and, that. And you had – and you had – an extraordinary guard in, in Steph Curry. Extraordinary. You look at him, you say, oh my gosh, he's too little to do this. He's too little of that. Well, forget little. The three-point line has defined who he has, who he is as a player. But more importantly, he has gotten so clever that you just can't guard him now unless you get them to play a half court. If they get a little space to run at you, you're dead. Yeah, and yeah. From there, I mean, it, it just kept growing, uh, you know, and uh, it just kept getting better. And then adding Kevin Durant to that mix, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it kind of got if, unfair. <laughs> if, if Kevin would have stayed there, uh, and I wonder, because I loved him as a player, and I, I, I like him, really like him as a person also, I wonder if he had stayed there and he looks where he is today with all the turmoil going around him. I wonder if he would ever have – the thought that maybe I could stay there and, and look what where, look where my career would have taken me and wouldn't have had all this controversy. Players don't need controversy after they've proven themselves, some, and particularly someone like him. But I think just watching how that was put together, how together the team was, but also the front office was not real big, but the scouts had done an unbelievable job up there, and it was that was a real fun thing. It was. It was. Now, did anybody – I want to bring up this one thing that was in the middle of that uh, somebody reminded me. Um, were we ever seriously thinking about trading for Kevin Love? Or who was supposed to be traded for Kevin Love, or was that kind of a rumor thing? Uh, no. <laughs> no, it was It was a truth. And, you know, as I say, I was vehemently against it, and so was Steve Kerr. And gotcha. that was probably – the best trade that didn't ever happen. And Kevin, right. Kevin was a good player, but I think sometimes you reach out and get so many stars and try to put them together. And I say, he was a very good player, but I just don't think he would have fit with this group. I just don't, mm -hmm. I didn't th feel that. So Mr. West, you said something about being honest. I read in your book, you're talking about, they try to call certain front office people like geniuses, but you use the example of the Boston Celtics where they went 23 years without a, but our NBA championship and in 07, they acquired the lights of three stars. And right. your philosophy is you can't really listen to the media so much or what people say much more than your gut because there's tons of intangibles that can say why people are great, right? Oh, absolutely, Evan. Uh, I think the one thing that, that you have to look at and try to be careful as you're going along, let's say you have the Celtics and, of course, the Lakers, or their history is just unbelievable. Right. And so – there's going to be more pressure on them. And if they don't do well, you know, people, they're always going to be the Celtics and the Lakers. But the one thing that I would caution anyone who is, have young teams, and I look at the Memphis Grizzlies today, okay? Oh, yeah. Boy, oh, boy, do they have, that's probably the most athletic young 
team I have seen in a long time. They've got competitors. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. They're fierce. Uh, mm -hmm. And I look at them, how can they afford to keep all those players in their roster? So the financial right. aspect comes into play just for you guys. When you're in the league, the financial aspect had to play some importance about what you were trying to do. Save your money, invest in something, get involved with someone that you have a great feeling about. Mm -hmm. yep. But for the teams themselves, my goodness, the salary, because of great play. And so some players that definitely get overpaid. I mean, a lot overpaid. And I think people are afraid to losing that player. I don't think you should be afraid. I think you should say, "Hey, look, ah, I we, like that. we have to we have to let him go." And maybe you're able to find a player that can do as much. And also, your age graph yes. changes, and more right. importantly, it puts more emphasis on your draft pick. You've got you can't keep missing in a draft. Period. How do you feel about sometimes when certain teams kind of just? overload with just young guys i guess to use the lakers for example when they had julius randall they had d'angelo russell clarkson was the second round pick brandon ingram but it somewhat got top heavy in that sense like what do you think in that sense do you think is it fair for the young players in their careers or? well i you know again there's where patience is important okay uh, mm -hmm. i think you if you look at some of those kids and where they're drafted my goodness there's a lot of laker players around the league that have turned out pretty darn good they were drafted pretty high, but, uh, you know, when you have an opportunity to acquire an incredible player like LeBron James, the cost, the cost is going to be a lot. And, you know, using them as an example, they've tried their best to put a team around him that would complement him. And they, like all teams, and particularly the Clippers who I'm involved with, my gosh, I honestly thought we had one of the top two or three teams in the whole league. But Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Everyone got hurt. And so it wasn't mm -hmm. a fair representation of what, of what this, the Clippers were about. But for the Lakers, the same thing. They had all these injuries, and they just didn't have – I don't know. When I watched them, it, it was – and people think I don't like the Lakers, okay? That's, that's not true. I do watch them really closely as I do watch all teams. And, uh, you know, just a simple change sometimes. Look at the Boston Celtics, okay? They get a new coach. And they've got one player who's young Very player, nightmare. Jason Tatum. He is a nightmare to God because of yeah. his size. He can shoot the ball, but he when he dribbles it, he goes somewhere. Yeah. He, he can he gets away from people. And an underrated uh, defender as well. Yes. Very underrated yes, defender. he is. Yeah. He is. And you look at him, what's he, 22 years old? 24. 24? I say to myself, my goodness. He's got all these years for people to watch somebody of his excellence. But more importantly, he's going to get better subtly every year. Yeah. He's going to get better. And the things that maybe he doesn't do real well right now, or at least in his mind, I watch him play and I said, boy, oh boy, there's certain players you'd pay to see play. He'd be one of them. I'm looking at all the young kids. So any of the young kids listening or, you know, you got a lot of parents listening because as we've seen, parents are starting to try to create NBA players as opposed to kids just loving the game and playing the game and I think that's where we get in trouble but tell me what you're looking for because I don't think people understand you know some of your accolades in terms of what you've done in the front office you know you have uh, six championships as a GM and you came over to Memphis to take that challenge on as the president of basketball operations and build that up and you were executive of the year a few times and then kind of built them into the grindhouse and you know kind of what you were doing there so tell me what you're looking for in a great player. And then on top of that, who do you see 
in yourself or someone that's similar to you in today's game? <laughs> Andre, I don't really don't talk about myself very much as a player, but I, I viewed myself as a as a two way player. That's where the game got lost. There's yeah. no more two way. There's very few of those. I um, I saw the game in slow motion. It looked really mm-hmm. slow to me, really slow. Mm-hmm. And Andre, you're you got a lot of steals in your career. I, I and again, I don't even like to talk to myself, but I think I would have so set a steal record that no one would have ever come close to. No Talk one. Talk to us. And the reason why, the reason why was angles to me. The game is nothing but angles, okay? And you'll see guys out there just loping along with a dribble, and the players cross over so much. And, Andre, you do this so well. You don't move. You should not move. You should step toward them, fake them. Everyone yep. steps back. No, 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 no. These kids are so good and so quick and powerful. And the way they finish around the basket to me is where I have seen a major change in the game. How versatile players are, ambidextrous they are. I didn't even know I had a left hand. But I I could – people used to play me right and I'd go left and make a layup. It's just amazing the way the game is changing and evolving. And, Andre, you were – I think when I asked me about the all-star game in Boston, mm-hmm. it was to me that the start of where players finally had a voice. Yes. And I'm going to go with that real quick. The first game ever televised, all-star game ever televised on t- TV. And uh, before the game, the late Larry Fleischer, who was head of the Players Association, not Players mm-hmm. Association at that point in time, but he was trying to help some of the players had gone to him to organize a union so they could have some voice in what was going to happen in the future. We're sitting here in the locker room, Elgin Baylor and I playing for the West team. All of a sudden, they said the game is going to be delayed because of players refused to play the game and uh, because they wanted to be, have some voice in going forward. Sitting in the locker room, the late owner of the Lakers, Bob Short, and he mm-hmm. said, to, said to Elgin Baylor and I, and he came in there and says, I need to talk to you two guys. We got out of the locker room, walked out in the hall, and he said, are you going to play this game? And I said, no, not unless uh, both of us said, no, we're not going to do this. He said, well, you'll never play basketball again. And mm-hmm. I went, gulp. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's really funny uh, that basketball has been my mistress in life, okay, from the time I was little and even now. I care greatly um, about the game. Uh, I still, I still feel that my mind works because I've studied the game so much. The changes in the game, the changes in the coaches, beliefs in the game, and how they completely—it's completely changed. But I will tell you that day in there, we went from indentured servants mm-hmm. to having a voice, and that was. Every player today should go back and read about that a little bit. Yes, and then sir. the Robertson versus NBA case, um, Oscar, who's a great friend of mine, someone I've always liked and cared for. When he put his name out there, I almost felt the league made him to be the uh, poster child of something that shouldn't have happened. Right. And thank God that he had the wherewithal and the courage to do that. And we've mm-hmm. talked about it many times. And, Again, for the players today, my goodness, uh, going forward, you're going to be on top of the world financially. Have respect for the game uh, and don't 
don't embarrass yourself or your family with some of your actions. It's not great. Right. And and what you're saying that, you know, just talking about a lot of sacrifices you made for the game. And one thing that came to mind was the reserve clause. And uh, it was it was a time where, you know, it was a regional draft selection. You know, you would you would draft a guy that was probably the best college player around that region. You know, that's why, you know, Oscar uh, was drafted, you know, by the Bucks. You know, by Kansas City. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was no, more it regional. Was Cle- and then- it was Cleveland. It was. I mean, Cleveland, were, no, Cleveland. no. I mean, Cincinnati. I'm sorry. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Cincinnati Royals. Royals. Cincinnati Royals. Cincinnati Royals. Royals. Cincinnati Royals. And then also how you you couldn't get into free agency. That was the reserve clause. Yes. You know, you had to stay with your team for the entirety of your career. You know, I my and first uh, unrestricted slavery, right. Oscar. Correct. Yeah. And it was it was it was my first free agency. I tweeted, shout out to Kurt Flood, and people don't know who Kurt Flood is. You right. know, he tested the free agency waters in baseball, and and people were unaware of that. So a lot of sacrifices are being made, and I think a large part of our respect and how we approach the game is having our knowledge and history of what's been right. happening in the game. So you know, Coach K was one of the best motivators that I've ever seen, and he would always say, "I want you to take your USA jersey and go in your room, and you have a gold medal." And you want to look at the USA and this is what you represent and you want to, you know, run, he had us running through a brick wall, but it was just the respect for, you know, the, the fraternity or the group of players that wore that Jersey before you. And uh, I wanted to say all that to say, every time I put on my NBA Jersey, I'm looking at that logo. Every time I'm shooting the ball, I'm looking at that logo in the corner of the basket. You know, when guys miss a bad shot, we always say, duck, duck, Jerry, like don't hit Jerry, you know, don't, don't hit Jerry, Jerry way over there. So, you know, just appreciating, you know, all the sacrifices you you've made for the game. Where do you see the next evolution? What do you see the next evolution being with players uh, and ownership? Because that's always been something that we've attained to and it's been so far from us, but now we're getting closer and closer to closing that gap. Talk to me about your views on, you know, ownership and the players having a stake uh, within the overall system of the game? Well, Andre, you know, it, it's really interesting to me to see where the game has come to this point in time. And I think it shows you the power of the players. Um, mm-hmm. I've never heard of a business where the players make more money than, I mean, take more money out of the system than the owners. But if you mm-hmm. just look, just look at the new owners, Okay. These people are all enormously wealthy, and these franchises mm-hmm. are worth a lot of money. Yes. And I, I don't know what, because I'm not privy to the conversations you're having with the league, but the league has been a really, really good working partner for all the players. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, again, I, I'm not look, I'm not, I don't understand what the players are looking for going forward, but uh, when I look at it today, I say to myself, my gosh, you know, if I'm a player, what would I ask for? Uh, if I'm the league, what would I ask for? But I think it's the thing. I think I think I, I think it's amazing that the bigger, you know, the bigger the revenue pot, the more players are going to make. There you go. Now I gotta. I, you mentioned this uh, much earlier, but I I gotta touch on this because I've been involved in a few of my comments being misconstrued or misquoted when it's put out or a narrative comes along and it just sticks for some reason. I'm in Memphis and there's a narrative here that, you know, it's just stuck and it never came from me. Where does the narrative come from that, you know, that uh, there's a bitterness with the Lakers and from everything that I've seen, you gave a lot to that organization. And then what you saw in the young Kobe Bryant that no one else saw that you were able to manifest and the Lakers 
directly benefited from that. But where do you think some of these narratives come from and how they just stick around for so long? Well, Andre, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm not really sure. Those are the happiest days of my life uh, spent with the Lakers. And uh, I'm not sure, at least on my part, I still root for the Lakers in regards to mm-hmm. what people think. But I root for every team. I want to see every team have a great team. And it's such a difficult, you know, such a, I spent my, my gosh, my, all of my years there uh, with the mm-hmm. Lakers as a player. At one time, I wanted to be traded because I wanted to be paid. And mm-hmm. they would not. And so I ended my career there. I worked there for, oh, my gosh, how many years of my life? And had some incredible memories from that time there. Great relationship with people. My relationship with Jerry Buss was really special. But, you know, I can't control what they feel. And I, again, yeah, I don't know. Sure. I don't know how sure. they I don't know how they feel. But, you know, as I say, whatever it is, it is. And uh, I'm fine either way. I owe my life to my years with the Lakers. That's for sure. I mean, my gosh, you know, coming from West Virginia and not knowing anything about anything, shy, quiet, backwards. I grew up here in Los Angeles and I grew up in a competitive world. And Andre, I think the only thing that matters for anyone, I don't care what your age are, don't sit down in a chair, a rocking chair and not do anything. You know, you need to be active. You need to keep your brain active. And I think that's one of the things I read to learn, Andre. Yes. And I'm going to... You read, I heard you read two books a week. And I was very uh, impressed some, by that. Sometimes at least three. But, ah. I, you know, I, I take different tacks. And, and Andre, I, when I played, I never had a white roommate. I only had black roommates to my choosing. And I felt I had so much more in common with them, you know, because of the way we grew up and everything. And, and we used to play cards all the time, but we'd have, you know, serious conversations. Sometimes it'd be four or five guys in there and I'd be the only white guy there. And I just had this bond with them that was so special. And one of them in particular used to tell me when I was a rookie and I wasn't starting and I felt I should start, but that's neither here nor there. He used to tell me all the time, you're going to be one of the greatest basketball players ever played. And I, hmm. his name was Ray Felix. And then Elgin Baylor, uh, I loved him like a like a brother. But I have read so many books on black history, uh, inspirational leaders. I read serious books. I don't read for pleasure all the time. And uh, again, I wish I had, during my college, collegiate days, I wish I had paid attention to learning more. But... Honestly, I wasn't even prepared to be a student, and uh, I felt I shouldn't even been there because it wasn't something that being away from small little place and all of a sudden uh, the school was like 10,500 when I went there, and now it's huge today. But as I say, I was very quiet, and I just listened, and sometimes you don't learn that way unless you open your mouth. Well, Evan, Evan what you say about what we go to college for? What we didn't go to college for. Evan has a saying. It's funny. I say, people we didn't graduate. Go to, I'm sorry. Say, we didn't come to school. We didn't come to school to, to uh, learn. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. no. A, said, a football no. player said we didn't come to school to learn. We came to school to football or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I did. I did. It wasn't that. Is uh, Andre? I was embarrassed to even go to classes. I really was. I didn't feel I belonged there at all, uh, and it was the most awkward experience I've ever had in my life to go into a school where. 
no one wanted me when I was a kid. And when did people want you? When you became a basketball player. That's when yes. they want you. And all of a sudden, people who wouldn't even know who I was, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm offered a lot of money to go to different schools and much more. My dad made nothing, what, $450 a month or something like that, raising six kids. And we didn't have a car. We ne I never went on a vacation. Nothing. And so I went to this school, and I say a lot of people tried to recruit me, and I finally said I had enough. I went to West Virginia University. And all of a sudden, you know, you go there, and your life changes in the sense that, you know, no one would have known me. No one would have known you or that you played the NBA. Andre, no one would have known you unless you had made some kind of success outside of it. And mm -hmm. it was the most awkward period of my life to go to school and all of a sudden get your name in a newspaper. And we could not play when we were freshmen. Okay, we could not. And uh, to go there, get your name in a newspaper and some guy come ask you a question and you got your head down and you don't even know how to respond to that question. And so, uh, and then all of a sudden you go on and you have credible college career and uh, won a lot of games and received a lot of awards. You went as an amateur, win a gold medal in Rome in 1960 and then get drafted and as I say, not even know I was drafted till the next day. <laughs> um, and all of a sudden, my second year, my career really just took off. And it was so foreign to me to the people who that you used to really trust because the people that you knew, knew up, you could trust them. And all of a sudden, you found out, you know, I believed in trust. And it got shaken a lot of times during my life. So it was one of the most awkward experiences. And even today, honestly, I don't like to be recognized for anything. I don't. And a lot of people I can't read. I read that a lot. You don't like you don't like recognition, but we're gonna give you your recognition. Yeah, you've you done much. too much. Well, no, no, no. But I'm serious, Andre. I think everyone reacts to different stimulus, and uh, that's not what's always stimulated me in my life. Uh, I just I'm a non-believer when it comes to stuff like that. I really am, mm -hmm. and uh, I just think it's every one of us uh, who played the game. You know, I look back and I say to myself, "My God, how much I loved competing and." When I walked away from the game, it was like I said to myself, oh, my God, what a relief, relief from enormous pressure on one person to mm -hmm. because all of our great players are gone. And mm -hmm. it was like a, it was like enormous relief not to have to play basketball anymore. But I think all of us look at it differently. My personality is certainly not bubbly like you guys. I'm much quieter. I'm a lot of fun to be around, to be honest with you. But yes, sir, I know that. I appreciate. <laughs> well, I appreciate I, being around. And you. I love, uh, I love kidding and having fun with people. But I, this game has, uh, as I say, has been the mistress of my life, and it still is even today. You have quite the imagination in your book. You brought up your dream game. Do you remember the rosters from your dream game? Can you share you that with us? I, I don't. I don't. But I have that book over here. Give me the roster. Okay. All right. So you said on the East team, you said it would be Kobe Bryant, Dr. J, D. Wade, Larry Bird, the Big O, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Tim Duncan, Dennis Rodman, Steve Nash, Charles Barkley, and Red Hour. Our back would be the coach, and Phil Jackson would be the assistant coach. And then on the West right. team, you said you would have Michael Jordan, Elgin Baylor, whoa, LeBron James, Rick Barry, 
Magic Johnson, Shaq, Kareem, Carl Malone, Hakeem Olajuwon, John Stockton, and of course Jerry West. And you will have Pat Riley and uh, Popovich be the assistant coach. Right. So mm. why did you pick those players? What was like some of your favorite parts from that? And who do you think – in the book you said you would have took the last shot as well. <laughs> Mr. Clutch. <laughs> well, um, I look at it, and I think the West team, if you look at it, most of the players are comprised of all-around players, okay? Uh, selfless teammates. Uh, really wasn't anyone there that I don't think would have been fun to play with. And I try to look at a different perspective than most people. I think it, the ultimate team game is basketball. Hockey is close to it, but there's many more players. Football is in the football. You got a defensive team and an offensive team. Baseball is it's individually individualistic, but because five people have to be out there thinking alike, defending alike, and just some people you play with, you throw the ball and you know they're there. You don't even have to look; you know they're there. Yes, sir. And, and uh, I think we all know what that's like. And Andrea, I'm sure you've been like that with a few players. But I think that's what makes the game uh, to me so interesting is everyone's view. I would put a lot of scores on one team and I'd put what I considered a little bit better all around team. I like that. I like, And it's almost like um, I got this thought in my mind. It just came up. Uh, there was a game and uh, I was talking to Johnny about it, Johnny West. And he saw what I saw. Uh, I was on a break. It was against the Washington Wizards. And I got a steal. It was a home game. It was at Oracle. And I go up and uh, I look behind me. I'm by myself. But I look behind me and I see John Wall, who's a great chase down. Right. You know, I've gotten a lot of flack about a chase down block. Right. You know, players making great plays. So I see John Wall chasing me down. But in the rear view behind him, I see Steph kind of trailing the play right. just a little bit at a slower place. Right. So. John catches me because he's so fast, and I probably could have finished it and dunked it, but I go up, and I just whip it behind myself to like the right wing, and we're going going to fly in this clip, and Steph Steph just walked into the three and made it. I didn't see him. I didn't see him. I saw him. He was on the other end, but then I take a few dribbles, and I throw the ball, and Johnny and I have a great conversation because after the game, he said, did you mean to throw it because you weren't looking? And I said, I I knew he should have been there. He was having an argument with someone in the front office, and they thought that I just tossed the ball and I got lucky. But you just have a certain feel for the game, so I definitely understand what you're meeting. You've given us uh, a lot of your time, and I really appreciate it. Uh, we don't want to take too much more of your time. I know you, you're chasing more rings and championships, so best of luck to you. Much success to you and the family. Uh, appreciate Karen for giving us. Uh, Wouldn't have been know, possible great... without her. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So thank Karen so much for uh, letting us uh, get you on. And thank my man Johnny West, who's like a brother to me. Well, thank um, you. I was at his wedding. Yeah, so, you know, you're like family to me. And I appreciate everything that you've done for me throughout my career and helping us get championships with the Warriors. And, you know, we just want to give you your flowers, as we say in our culture. And we appreciate everything you've done for us uh, throughout your history, while you were playing, after you are playing. And long after you're done, you're, that, that logo, you know, who knows? It may never, ever change. And, and we know who, who that is. And, and you represent what a prototypical basketball player should look like. And, and we, we can't veer too far from that. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, guys. And uh, again, you know, I think conversations like this with other people in the game, and particularly people from different eras uh, who have seen the change in the game and who appreciate the change in the game. And 
uh, appreciate what greatness really is. But anyway, you guys, great. Uh, wish you well. And Evan, uh, good luck to you. And Andre, of course, I'll be hearing more about you since I've got firsthand knowledge of you. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, I'll be. Hopefully, I'll be seeing you soon. Uh, I gotta get. I, I gotta get back on the golf course with you. Okay, you got it. You take care. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate it.